Well, hey, what's going on, precious family of God? Uh, welcome to season two of The Guided Gathering. You ready? <laughs> uh, we got new characters this season. Cisco, I mean, Osagi is here with us. Right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, dog. And look, I'm just jealous, y'all, all right? All right. That's how you get roasted, too. When you got the mic on, you can say what you want, all right? Osagi actually does my haircut, so I got to be careful, all right? You're going to have me looking like Carlton in this mug, all right? So uh, you're a godly man, man after God's own heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless him, pastor. All right. Uh, hey, it is good to be back with y'all, for real. Uh, I'm excited to finish up Philippians. Uh, in fact, I just love this idea of joy and even just the laughter of like, man, we are a joyous people. And Paul is actually calling us towards joy as he ends this letter. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Philippians 4 uh, is where we'll be, and we're going to camp out there the whole morning. If you don't got a Bible, go pause the video, uh, go get, grab a Bible, and we want your eyes on the Word with us, okay? And so, um, real briefly, uh, Paul, he's kind of concluding this book really similar to how he started it. Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, he's calling us to be a gospel-saturated type of people. He's concluding with more practical steps of how we can find joy and find our center in Christ. And as we find our center in Christ, then we begin to live out as Christ examples to the world around us. And so there's three main things he's focusing on today. So I want to chop this up in three different sections, but really all three sections root themselves in Philippians 4.13. And so I'm going to read that verse before we chop it up today so we know where we're going. And it says this, it says, I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Now, you've probably seen this verse before. I used to write it on my Jordans before basketball games, all right? It's like, because I'm a Christian, I'm going to drop 40 tonight, all right? Like, watch me hit this 360, all right? Uh, and that ain't bad. If you're like me, it's okay, all right? But uh, I would say that we're reading this verse wrong when that's the emphasis. This is about our dependency on Christ and who he is, okay? So I want to teach you a little trick. Uh, there's two ways that you can read the Bible, and I want to help you learn how to read Scripture uh, in a way that's actually going to be edifying to your soul in the long run, you can read this verse like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now watch me go into Grammy player, all right? That's how you can read it. Or, or you can read it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We often read the Bible as if this is a book about us and for our glory, but this is a book about Christ and his glory. And when the emphasis gets put on Christ, we actually find the strength we need to live out as Christ representatives. And so the focus then is on Jesus and the focus is on who he is. And that's when we find our joy, not in our money or our temporal happiness or whether or not we drop 40 in a game. Like our focus is on Jesus. Christ is the one who strengthens us. And so uh, each of these things that we'll be looking at today, we'll be focusing on Christ who strengthens us. That's the idea there today. It is Christ's power that we're able to live in Christ's likeness and find joy in him. And so uh, we're going to chop it up and we're going to read verses uh, 10 through 13. And I'm going to have the well OG, uh, Huli, go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, you guys. My name is Juliana Quintero. I'm the Connections Coordinator here at The Well, and today I'm going to be reading scripture to you in Spanish. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Me alegro muchísimo en el Señor de que al fin hayan vuelto a interesarse en mí. Claro está que tenían interés, solo que no habían tenido la oportunidad de demostrarlo. 
No digo esto porque esté necesitado, pues he aprendido a estar satisfecho en cualquier situación en que me encuentre. Sé lo que es vivir en la pobreza y lo que es vivir en la abundancia. He aprendido a vivir en todas y cada una de las circunstancias, tanto a quedar saciado como a pasar hambre, a tener sobra como a sufrir escasez. Todo lo puedo en Cristo que me fortalece. This is the word of the Lord. You guys, have a great weekend, great Sunday, and I miss you so much. Thank you, Huli. Um, and so verse 10 is simply saying that the Philippian church has actually always been concerned for Paul, but they didn't always have opportunity to act on that concern. In other words, they wanted to give to Paul, but they actually weren't able to give at different moments. And so at times, this actually left Paul with more, and then at other times, it left him lacking. But even though Paul was lacking in resources, he was never actually lacking in need. And that's important for us to see. The Christian never lacks for need when we are in Christ Jesus. Now you may lack what you want, and look at those wants may even be good desires that are just unfulfilled on this side of the kingdom, but you never lack what you need if you are in Christ Jesus. And so this idea launches Paul into his first idea of how Christ actually strengthens us, and that is Christ strengthens us in our contentment. Christ strengthens our contentment. He gives us the ability to be content. Each of us, we probably want contentment, right? We want to be satisfied or not anxious or, or cool with our situations, but few find it. But listen, believer, it is already yours in Christ. It has been purchased for you on that cross. And as his blood spilled out, when we receive that, we actually gain contentment if we walk in Christ if we find our strength in him. Now, notice a few things about how Christ, as we fall in love with him, know him, walk in him, as we're connected to him, how he actually strengthens our contentment. First of all, twice Paul says that he learned contentment. You can see there on the screen. And so Paul didn't just become a believer and then magically it all of a sudden appeared in his heart, right? Like some of us want this quick escape. Like, uh, like we don't wanna go through the hard lessons that it actually takes for us to have contentment. And so we treat contentment very similar to how we treat uh, patience. We don't want the trials that come to actually strengthen our patience. We just, we want to pray for patience and then all of a sudden, right, we randomly just have it residing in our heart. Like, we're driving on 35, we get cut off, and because we are a Christian and we prayed last night, we're like, bless you, brother, all right? Like, it don't work like that, all right? You got to learn patience, you got to learn contentment. And so notice, Paul did learn it, though. In fact, Paul learned it so much so that it says he learned it in whatever, any, and every circumstance. That's repetition there. He's like, I got it, fam. I'm about that life now, <laughs> right? Like coronavirus comes, Paul would be able to be content in it. And so how? What's the secret? You see that word there? There's a secret to this. I love this idea. It's actually hard to find because in reality, it's only for the Christian and hence its mystery, which is actually found in the gospel. Contentment is actually about finding peace outside of yourself and outside of your situation. You see, self-help would try to make you muster it inside of yourself, but Christianity actually says contentment comes from outside of yourself. It's a gift that's given to you. 
And so are you being strengthened by your own soul and by your own efforts or by the strength that is found because of our relationship with our King Jesus? That's the secret, is what Paul says. Contentment then and now is not self-sufficiency, family. And so it's not just accepting what's right in front of you and then tricking yourself into believing that you're okay because somehow you've accepted your situation. It's not depending on oneself. But notice, Paul learned what it meant, which means it came from outside of him. He didn't have it. It had to come in from the outside to rest on his heart. However, Paul's also real in this letter. Like, he doesn't want to be in jail. He would rather be with them. So he's not just tricking himself into being content. He's not like, oh, whatever. I don't care that I'm in jail. So no, he would rather be with them. And so contentment is something different than how we normally pursue it. Paul isn't content with his circumstances. He's content in his circumstances, family. And so just like joy is not dependent on the situations or the circumstances around us, so true too is our satisfaction or our contentment. It is found in Christ. If we find it in our situations, family, then when our situations changes, we will get flustered and dissatisfied and we will be a blown with the wind type of people. But luckily, no matter how hard the wind blows, if your contentment is found on the solid rock, on our King Jesus, then you will not be blown with the wind, but you will be uh, locked tight unto the true rock, our King. We will not move because he does not move. Our contentment is in Christ. Are you finding your joy and your contentment in Christ, or are you trying to find it somewhere else? At times, you know, we trick ourselves into thinking that we're content because our life is going good. And so we have a job, we have a spouse that we like most of the time, right? <laughs> like we have a new car, but this isn't stable, y'all. That is all things outside of yourself. And if any of those things crumble, then you will actually crumble your contentment as well. It has to come from outside of you. Similar, but on the opposite end, a lot of times we think that we lack contentment because we don't have what we want or even feel like we don't have what we need. But look at Paul here. He says he knows how to have much and how to have little. Neither of those things actually has any impact on his soul because he's fixated on, his eyes are locked on something or rather someone outside of himself on our King Jesus. Listen, more stuff will not bring you more contentment, family. More money, more problems. Ain't you learned that yet, right? Like we've been listening to that for forever, right? And for you extra spiritual people out there, less stuff doesn't make you more content either. And we can trick ourselves into that, amen? And we can begin to think that, oh, if I have less, then I'll be, no, 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 no. Just like joy, contentment is not based on your situation or your circumstances, but on your King Jesus. He is who strengthens you to be content. If your focus is on Christ, you will be lacking nothing no matter how much you lack on earth. You will lack no things. Little will actually just help you depend on God and cling to him. Much will actually help you to be benevolent like your God and worship him. With little, you actually see God as your provider. With much, you actually see him as your benevolent king. No matter what side you're on, if you are locked on Christ, then you can rejoice and have contentment on both sides. That's the secret that Paul learned. Are your eyes on the gifts or are they on the giver? 
And the more you fix your eyes on the giver, then the more you'll able to be have contentment in the midst of all your situations and circumstances. You may be saying, this sounds really similar to past messages in Philippians. It is. <laughs> so nice you had to say it twice. That's what I keep saying, all right? And so Paul continues on this idea. Now that Christ is strengthening his contentment, he's going to encourage the Philippians of how they can actually live in that contentment and bless people around them. And so I'm going to have my good friend Sydney read verses 14 through 24 for us. Hi guys, I'm Sydney Stedman. I'm a Covenant community member at The Well, and I go to the Domain Community Group. I also help to lead the setup and tear down team at The Well. I'll be reading Philippians 4, 14 through 20. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, no cap, this is a little bit weird to talk about during COVID, okay, because a lot of us are actually struggling financially. So I thought when I first started prepping, and then I realized Paul was actually writing to a church that was facing spiritual persecution and even lacked a lot of physical ability, and yet he's still writing to them about their giving. And so maybe this is actually more prevalent now than it ever has been for us. This is extremely relevant because focusing on Jesus not only strengthens our contentment or the internal condition of our soul, but it also strengthens our charity, point two, the external function of our actions. It changes our hearts and our hands, and it gives us strength for both. I love, look at verse 14 again. He starts off with the word yet there. So Paul does indeed see Christ as enough, but he says, yet he also acknowledges that sometimes Christ's perfect provision is actually shown most clearly through his people, his bride, the church. The church is often the physical person of Christ to us. It is often the expression and the present reality of Christ for us. And Jesus allows us to play the role of being advocators, of, of being mercy, of being grace toward one another for him. We become that with and for each other. You know, Paul is careful about how he's talking about their charity here or their financial giving to him. Notice how he doesn't want to sound manipulative in this, right? In verses 11 and 17, he begins with the word not. You see that there? He isn't trying to coerce more out of the church. He's content, and he really means that. He knows how to operate on little and how to watch God move anyway. Sometimes that glorifies God that much more because it boasts on the goodness of God. And so he's not trying to coerce more, he's far more interested about what this means for them and for the gospel than he is about what this means for him and his ministry. He wants something for them is what he's trying to highlight here. He wants their gifts because he loves them and he wants their Christ-likeness to increase and the gospel to go forth because of their giving. And so he's thankful for this. Notice a couple of phrases he uses here, right? In fact, in verse 15, he says, in the beginning, 
scene. He couldn't get any support. No church entered into partnership with me. And so many were actually experiencing the spiritual blessings of Paul, but they were not responding with physical blessing towards Paul. This was turning people into consumers rather than co-laborers. And so when you see money as a barter and exchange tool, then you become a consumer family. When you see money as something that you need to hoard and you no longer give anything, then you actually become a freeloader for other people's ministry. But when you partner, look at that word there, that word partner. When you partner, you see your charity as that of partnership and you become a co-laborer, both of you working together to highlight the beauties of Christ and to build the gospel, to push back darkness together, just like Osagi talked about in our giving moment today. And so he can use you faithfully and you can rejoice at what God is doing because you know that you are a part of gospel advancing work when you see money as a partnership, as something you can use to advance the gospel. You know, at the well, we actually say generosity is worship. It's actually one of our distinctives. This is what we mean in this. It's not just that we are giving up something, but we're actually worshiping. In other words, when we give, we're actually gaining something. We are gaining the presence of Christ and gaining the ability to be used by Christ to push back darkness with our material possessions that actually turn into spiritual blessings for others. This is what Paul is wanting. We're not focused even on ourselves or how it makes us feel when we give or on guilt because we heard a good sermon or something like church is some street performance where if you like it, then you give to it. That's not the motivation here. When our focus is on Christ, when he strengthens our charity, then we see this as a partnership with him and family of God, don't miss this. When you are charitable, you get Jesus. You see, I used to be scared to preach stuff like this because I grew up in a prosperity gospel church where it said, if you give, then you'll get a Bentley or something, okay? And listen, God does provide for us when we give to him. It is returned, but it's usually returned in the kingdom. But even right now, we actually get more of Jesus. We don't have to be afraid to say, if you give, you get, because that's what Paul's saying. He wants them to increase in their ability to understand and know Christ. He wants Christ to strengthen them in their charity. That's what we want to be about. Notice there in verse 17, Paul is not focused on the gift. It's helpful for him to do ministry, no doubt, right? But he's focusing on what this means for the church. He loves them. He wants them to be built up. So he's focusing on Christ in them. This also makes him a good recipient family. You see, it's not just that we should have our eyes on Jesus when we're giving. We should actually have our eyes on Jesus when we're receiving too and say, thank you for your gifts because I know that Christ is being exalted in you in that moment. They're storing up treasures in heaven. Verse 17, and I love this idea. More of the gospel is going forward so that more people will actually be in heaven and they should all rejoice in that because they should see that each of them has a part to play. Do you see your giving as that or do you just give out of obligation? If you just give out of obligation, you're gonna lack the joy that actually comes in giving. But if you have a heart locked on Christ, if you see it as a partnership,
leadership, then your charity actually becomes a reason and an opportunity for you to rejoice, family. So when you hear about the good things that God is doing, don't disconnect yourself from that. Realize that your giving is a part of that. And that's what Paul wants the Philippian church to see. All this gospel ministry that I'm doing, y'all are a part of that. In fact, y'all were the first ones to jump in that. When nobody else jumped in, take joy in that. Christ strengthens our charity. You know, I feel this 100% because early on in the church, I actually had to raise 100% of my support. In fact, for the first two and a half years, I was not uh, internally supported by the people that called the well home. We were actually externally supported by others that were not a part of the well because we didn't have the ability to actually pay people on staff and stuff. Our church was too broke to pay me, all right? Uh, In fact, in the first year, our total budget, when it was all said and done, we thought that we would raise about $31,000. Now listen, that's including rent, that's including all the ministries that we were doing and buying goldfish for the kids. And if a speaker broke, we had to replace that. Like 31,000 is not a lot at all, okay? All ministries started from the bottom, now we're here, all right? And so the well actually benefited from the generosity of others, y'all. And they were the person of Christ for us in a lot of ways. Christ was strengthening them as he was using them to strengthen us. There was partnership there. But now as a church, we get to provide for and plant others. So now we become that provision for others because God is now allowing us to play that role. The recipient and the giver both have roles to play. So now we are planting Josh and we are the provider for Refuge Church or we are the provider for the Barcelona team or the Brazil church plant. In fact, even just this week in community groups, we got to partner with uh, the Immigration Coalition and there's 2,500 immigrants and migrant workers that are stuck at the border where COVID just began to break out there and they needed face masks and clean water because they have no clean water to drink. And so a lot of people in our community groups got to give towards that to bless others because now we get to respond like that. We were once in need, now we have more so we can respond. And then when we turn into having need again, others can respond. It's a partnership that each of us gets to highlight Christ in different ways. We were built off support and now we get to go support others. In fact, fact, nine of our 12 current staff team have all raised support as their main base salary before. And as I was talking to people who were raising support, even this week as we were prepping for the sermon, all nine of us talked about how much of a blessing it was, how we felt like there was this partnership with others here. In fact, everybody on staff is still support-based because your giving is allowing us to do ministry, which is hopefully blessing you. And then we get to partnership to push back darkness together in the city. You grow more in Christ-likeness in your giving as you model him and as you help others model Christ in his charity, we push back darkness together. Ultimately, what Paul is saying here is that money is a heart issue. And that's always the the communication from Christ and Paul when they talk about money. If we focus on Jesus, it turns into a tool rather than a master. And too many of us allow money to be a master. In fact, most of us allow money to be our source of contentment versus finding our contentment in Christ. So when we have a lot of it, we feel peace. When we have a little of it, we feel fearful. That is us making money a master rather than a tool. God can do whatever he wants to do. He don't need our money. 
And so we need to remember that, but he lets us co-labor with him. Are we joyfully sacrificial just like our King Jesus? He will strengthen our joy as he strengthens our commitment and our charity and even our reward in him because we are charitable. And so let us be a generous people responding literally because of the generosity of Christ himself towards us. Finally, Paul closes this letter in these last three verses, and I'm gonna have one of the most beautiful girls that I know read that for us. Hello, I'm Micaiah Mayo, and I'd be reading Philippians 4. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Awesome, thank you. Y'all were like, beautiful girl, what? (laughs) I got you. Hey, the last point is that Christ strengthens our connections, okay? Because they're focused on Jesus, they love each other. The centrality of Jesus gives us great connection and affection for one another. Notice how he ends this. This isn't just an end, a benediction, okay, see you later. Like, he wants every saint greeted, and all the saints greet the Philippian church. Because of Jesus, we're united, and therefore, we're more deeply connected to one another. Additionally, though, notice that subtle phrase he uses there in verse 22. He says, and those in Caesar's household greet you. Paul knows even people in the Roman guard who were becoming Christians. You see, this is subtle, but it's actually really powerful. The Philippian church was a persecuted church at this moment. In fact, nearly every Christian was in first century AD. But Paul was saying, hey, even though there's persecution amongst you, some of them even are getting saved. Keep running forward. Even your oppressors are coming to faith. Keep going is what Paul is saying here. Even the power of Rome can't stop the power of the gospel. So nor can racism or coronavirus or anything else. No power can stop the power of the gospel, family. And so literally Christ is stronger than this. And his desire is to have each person connected, unified with one another, so that collectively we might push back darkness together to highlight the beauty of our King. Christ strengthens our pursuit of one another family. He strengthens our connection together, and the power comes even in Rome, or in America, or anywhere else in the world. Persecution doesn't stop the gospel family. It actually expediates it. The blood of the saints is the seed of the church, is what one of the first Christian martyrs said, and he's right. We go forward, and so the gospel pushes back darkness. Don't lose heart, family. And we actually see the realities most present in the person of Jesus throughout this section. You see, Jesus was perfectly content in heaven, was he not? Go back to point one and think about it. He lacked nothing, he had everything, he did not need anything, but Jesus actually surrendered the comforts of heaven and came down to earth, still living perfectly content while he was on earth, though he had no place to lay his head. He was perfectly content, yet on that cross, lost that peaceful happiness, drinking sorrow, so that you and I might now have contentment in Christ, family of God. He is our example and our fulfillment here for us. You see, Christ was content in heaven with plenty. He was content on earth with nothing, but he lost it that we might now have it forever. 
in our charity. Jesus was the richest man ever yet became poor so that we who are poor might not be rich in Christ. Even more, Christ is still our example in charity. Jesus is building a place in heaven for us right now. In fact, you will get a kingdom that you did not earn because of his charity towards you, family. He is our example and our atonement where we lack it. We get the benefits of his charity. And Christ is our connected one. He's connecting us to each other and to the Father. And he is our example. Yet Christ lost that connection on the cross so that if we believe in him, we might be strengthened through him and we might have it with our Father and with each other forever. Christ is our example. If you ever lack the gospel centrality of the New Testament or even of this book, look at verse 18 one more time. Remember, this is talking about the Philippians giving to others. But if we need evidence, look at it. Jesus was the fragrant offering, was he not? Jesus was the sacrifice fully pleasing and acceptable to God. Jesus was the full payment and more, is what Paul says. He was the final sacrifice. So we model him when we give gifts to others. Christ now strengthens us. When we look to Jesus, we get our example and the power by which to live like Jesus. And where we fail, he forgives us because of his love and his charity towards us. Our God is a benevolent God. And so let's look to him to be our example. Well, family, will you find your contentment in Christ in the midst of the chaos of the world? You know, Paul found it in a persecuted jail cell. If he can find it there, you can find it in whatever persecution or discomfort you're experiencing today. We can be charitable, modeling Christ more, gaining Christ in the, in the process, partnering together in the work of the gospel. And will we be connected, family? Listen, even this next sermon series, a short sermon series, we're gonna call it Fight for Community because we want to be connected. Even though this virus is trying to isolate us, we're going to fight for community still. Will you be connected to one another in this season of separation? Christ is our strength in each of these things. And I pray that we would be a church that models that and that finds our strength in Christ. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. I hope you love Philippians. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that you are our example and our fulfillment for us. God, I confess I often lack contentment because I look for the cares of this world to be what satisfies me. Only you satisfy our King Jesus. You are the powerful one. You are the one that has joy. You are the fullness of joy. Life is found in you and only in you. Therefore, contentment will only be found in you. Let us fix our eyes on you, Jesus. God, I pray for those who do not know you. Would they hear that today they can have the satisfaction that their soul desires if they but give their lives to you? If we stop trying to control our life and give it to you and put you in control, man, we have joy forever. And God, I pray that that would be true for each of us who has placed our faith in you, that we would have joy we would have contentment, we would be charitable, that we would be connected, that we would do the things that Paul implored us on last week, be prayerful, that we would do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you, Jesus, for strengthening us. We love you, Christ. We praise things in your precious and your beautiful name. Amen.